0: Hello and welcome back, Fight Fans, to the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. This is episode 193B for the week of October 26th. And I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. We have a ton of fights to preview tonight. A ton of fights to preview. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. Also, guys, quick reminder, we are going to do a fight party this Saturday for the Pro Gray taylor fight. So depending on what part of the world you are, I don't want to give you a time because I don't know what time that fight's going to be coming on for you, whether you're in the UK, here in the United States, on the East Coast, West Coast. Uh, a lot of you guys watch from Asia, from different parts of Europe, from Africa, from Australia. So wherever you are in the world, make sure that, you know, of course you check out the fight on The Zone or Sky, wherever it's on. But also make sure... You're tuning into this channel here on YouTube, Montero Unboxings YouTube channel, because we're doing a progrey Taylor fight party. You guys know I've been, I've had a hard on for that fight since last year, since this World Boxing Super Series season two 140 pound tournament kicked off. I, it's finally here. I knew it was going to be Taylor. I knew it was going to be Progray, and they're doing it. It's going to be a great atmosphere, and that's going to be a fun card. There's a couple of fun domestic-level fights on that card that are going to kick ass. So, But we're going to go live just for the main event for Grade Taylor. So make sure you guys tune in on the channel. Watch that fight with me. Look, you're already streaming the fight on The Zone, right? Pull up another window on your browser or whatever it is and pull up the YouTube channel. Let's watch the fight together and chop it up. Because you know the commentary won't be that great anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, also, uh, quick news and notes before we jump right into the preview because we got a ton of stuff to go over, including fights tonight. There's some fights about to start tonight. Um, Daniel Jacobs, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. are going to be fighting December 20th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. This will be at super middleweight. I think for Jacobs, this will be his first fight there. Of course, this will be on the zone. Look, so Chavez has had one fight since his pretty much shut out shellacking that he took against Canelo, which technically was that super middleweight. He had one fight earlier this year. I don't think he fought at all in 2018. So you can kind of say he's coming off a loss to Canelo because that tune-up fight this year was nothing more than just getting some rounds in. The last decent guy he fought, and Canelo is way better than decent, was a loss to Canelo. And then Jacobs is coming off a loss to Canelo. So both of these guys will be coming off of losses to Canelo Alvarez and you know what there's people shitting on that fight I kind of like it I I'm gonna watch I think it's gonna be interesting I like Daniel Jacobs I think he's a good underrated fighter and Chavez is gonna I really think he's gonna give him a push because it's the first time he's gonna be fighting at that weight and I think it'll be interesting uh Look, if Jacobs goes in there and beats the brakes off Chavez and stops him in a few rounds, that's a good win for him. That's a good comeback win for him. If Chavez goes the distance and puts up a good fight, I don't think he's going to win at all. Then that's, you know, a good performance for him. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Also, a few of you guys have talked about the WBC. They're having their convention right now in Mexico. There's a bunch of people there that just don't need to be there, that are getting put up and taken care of. This thing has to be costing at least hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe seven figures, but I'm probably exaggerating. It's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. I just look at these conventions and the WBC puts on the biggest, baddest one. It's like a week, right? I think next year they're going to to Russia and doing it over there. I like some of the things that WBC does. And I've told Mauricio Suleiman that to his face. You know what I'm saying? But there's certain things I see the way certain media members are taken care of and hooked up. And there's private parties and private dinners, very expensive dinners. There's certain things I see that makes me just question the way this whole thing works. And I like that you're having a convention in a sense that you're... Coming out, Maybe you're announcing new rules for the next year or ratings updates or, or you're congratulating fighters. Like, I get all of that stuff. But some of the news that's come out of this thing is crazy, right? The WBC just named Vasily Lomachenko the franchise champion. We all knew that that was coming. I, we've been talking about that. And Deontay Wilder, they wanted to make him the franchise champion. In fact, I think they wanted to announce... Wilder, along with Lomachenko at this convention but Dillian White's drug test blew that up because I think the plan was to have Dillian White fight for the vacant WBC heavyweight title and name Deontay Wilder franchise champion and then the same way at 135 right now uh, Lomachenko is going to be the franchise champion, and they just gave the WBC title to Devin Haney. I don't even think he had to fight for it, because they think he had an interim or diamond or something. I don't know. I can't even remember. It really doesn't matter. The only thing that really pisses me off about the Lomachenko thing is, of course, he's going to, eventually going to fight the winner between Richard Comey and Teofimo Lopez. I still think Teofimo Lopez is going to edge that fight. So it's Lomachenko and Lopez early next year. And it's not a given that Lomachenko wins. But I think he will. I think he will, right? At that point, he'll have all the titles. But technically, the WBC is kind of split in half. It's going to be like the WBA situation in just about every division. The WBC is not quite that bad yet. But they're heading in that direction. Because Lomachenko detractors will say, Ah, he ain't undisputed. He ain't undisputed because... He didn't fight Devin Haney. You know what I'm saying? So he's not undisputed. That's what Lomachenko detractors are going to say. And ignorant fans, fans with agendas, fans that just got to the sport and don't know any better can be indoctrinated into those ignorant uh, talking points. And we see that these same sort of talking points about guys like Gennady Golovkin, even Canelo Alvarez, and many others. Uh, Fighters, once you reach a certain star level, you're going to have your your level, a certain level of haters and Lomachenko has them too. So now that's going to be used against Lomachenko in some people's eyes. He ain't undisputed. Actually he is because Haney was just basically handed the title. You know what I'm saying? The real champion. And I, I hate doing this. I hate playing the sanctioning organization's politics for them. I hate explaining the WBA super champion versus the regular champion versus, you know, people try to, for instance, Gennady Golovkin detractors say, oh man, all those title defenses Golovkin had, that was the WBA regular. So that shit don't count because the WBA super was Felix Sturm. They forget conveniently to mention that Felix Sturm, the German commission, the German promoters and the WBA allowed Gennady Golovkin to be shamelessly ducked by Sturm and some of the other top German-based fighters. Golovkin would have beat the brakes off Felix Sturm. He would have beat the brakes off him, right? A prime Gennady Golovkin against Felix sturm forget about it. Like, that would have been competitive early, but Golovkin would have just steamrolled him late. It wouldn't have been not nearly as competitive as what we saw uh, better Biev and in, in last weekend in Philadelphia. But it would have resembled that fight in the sense that he just would have steamrolled him and wore him down. It actually would have looked a lot like the Lemieux fight, in my opinion. So that's why Golovkin didn't have the WBA super title or whatever. He was denied that through boxing politics. We're going to see the same thing three, four years from now when the Vasily Lomachenko detractors are going to say, man, Lomachenko never unified lightweight. He wasn't undisputed. He never fought Devin Haney. And they're going to conveniently forget to mention this franchise stuff and how Haney got his title. That's how these things work. So I'm saying it now on the record so that years from now, We can go back and look at this and we can use it uh, as evidence because I'm telling you guys, that's coming. And of course, look, if Teofimo Lopez beats Lomachenko, he's going to have detractors and they're going to say the same thing about him. Or maybe Richard Comey upsets, shocks the world and he beats Lopez and then he beats Lomachenko. His detractors will say the same thing. Man, he never fought Devin Haney. He wasn't undisputed. Stop playing the politics that, that these sanctioning organizations play. Don't jump right in. Don't jump right in. James Burrell says Lomachenko will still fight Haney. I just, because of the network situation and because they're at two different places in their career, it could happen eventually. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I really, really don't. I think that we could see someone like Teofimo Lopez or someone like that fight Devin Haney first. If you look at the the generational situation there, Haney, Lopez, uh, Tank Davis... Those guys need to fight each other. They're kind of in the same you know, uh, generation coming up, still trying to prove themselves, right? I, I, You guys know what I think about Haney. I think he's the goods. Seriously, I think he's the best of all those guys. But they got to fight each other. It's kind of the same thing at middleweight with the Charlos and Andre, Billy Joe Saunders. These guys got to fight each other. You know what I'm saying? Golovkin, Canelo, those guys are established. They don't need... Charlo and Andre, those guys need them. Charlo and Andre need Canelo and Golovkin. It's not the other way around. You see what I'm saying? It's the same situation right now at uh, 35 into 140 pounds because these guys are all going to be moving up. So anyway, um, I don't want to spend too much time on the WBC and their craziness. All, All these sanctioning organizations, I'll say this. Of all the sanctioning organizations, the IBF follows their rules the best. I will say that. It's because they almost went out of business when they got sued a few decades ago. They were this close to being out of business and completely bankrupt. So now they will not stray from their rules. I'll give them that. The WBC does the most for fighter safety of any sanctioning organization. They truly, truly do. I have to give them credit on that. The rest of them are just shit. Shit. The WBC is completely in bed with Al Heyman. The WBO is completely in bed with Bob Arum. It's just the way it is, guys. Um, The IBF tends to favor American fighters. The WBA has 5,000 titles for each division. They're all shit. Goodfellas is asking, why don't I mention Ryan Garcia? You know I'm, I'm higher on Virgil Ortiz than Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia is a prospect I'm interested in. He's working with the Reynosos and the Canelo camp now. That's only going to make him better. I want to see how he looks the next fight, the next couple fights. Definitely a prospect I'm keeping my eye on. But of all the Golden Boy prospects, I like Virgil Ortiz Jr. the best. I think that he is a blue chip prospect that mentally gets it and lives the lifestyle Of a boxer. Not an Instagram model. And that's what Ryan Garcia does. That's what Anthony Joshua does. I just don't think that type of lifestyle ages well for a fighter. Devin Haney lives the lifestyle of a fighter. And I think um, Devin Haney, Virgil Ortiz. Those are going to be the guys four or five years from now that are going to be around still. I think Tank Davis eventually is going to get upset. I think Ryan Garcia is a knockout waiting to happen against the right type of opponent. It's all about matchmaking. Styles make fights. Talking about fights, let's uh, preview some of the stuff we got coming up, guys. We'll get to some more uh, questions in a little bit. But uh, tonight, Thursday, October 24th, there's some action here in the U.S. of A. On the East Coast, there's a Debella Entertainment card at the Generoso Pope Athletic Complex in Brooklyn on UFC Fight Pass. So, those of you who have UFC Fight Pass, check that out. And there's a Golden Boy Promotions card from Fantasy Springs, California, Fantasy Springs Casino in California. Mexican Eloin Soto is uh, defending his WBO Junior Flyweight title that he won against Puerto Rican Angela Costa back in June. Remember, there was a come from behind KO12 knockout win for him. It was a pretty exciting fight. This is his first defense against Filipino Edward Haino. It was going to be on Facebook. I think it was going to be on Ring TV originally, then Facebook Watch. But these cards have been picked up by The Zone. So those of you who don't have The Zone can still see this card on Facebook Watch. It's also on The Zone. And I think going forward, these Thursday night cards with Golden Boy Promotions are going to be picked up on The Zone exclusively. I believe so. I'm not sure if the Facebook watch thing is going to continue or not. It might. I'm not sure. Tomorrow, Friday, October 25th, the best fighter ever, ever, of all times. 300 years of boxing. This is the greatest fighter ever because he's undefeated. Shia Phan Monsri out of Thailand, 53-0, defending his WBC minimum weight title. Fighting in Thailand. Obviously, I'm being facetious here. I'm being a shithead. Right, All the people that talked about Floyd Mayweather being the best ever because he's undefeated. Yo, man, Fun Munsri. He's got a couple wins on Floyd. 53 have tried, 53 have failed. Sure, 51 of them are cab drivers and pizza boys, but so what? He's got that O, baby, and that's all that matters. He's TBE, and he is scheduled to fight tomorrow in Thailand. Now, I feel like this Munsri has fights scheduled all the time. And they get called off all the time. That's why most of his opponents have records like 2 and 10. And, you know, they they do takeout at the local Chinese restaurant there in Thailand. (laughs) Or maybe they have a German restaurant over there. That's where where everyone gets takeout. And, you know, he's a delivery boy there. That's most of his opponents. But uh, apparently this one's going to go through. It's still on the schedule for tomorrow. Oh, CJ Duncan in the house with the Super Chat pledge. What's up, my man? He says, Montero, what's good, brother? Cheers. Cheers to you, brother. I hope I see you Saturday night for the Pro Taylor live fight party here. I'll have one in your honor, my brother. I hope you and the lady are doing well. Uh, But let's see, back to the preview. There's also a Telemundo card from Mexico City tomorrow. And there's another UFC Fight Pass card tomorrow. Roy Jones Jr. Promotions card from Reno, Nevada. Featuring San Antonio, 140-pound prospect, Kendo Castaneda, 25 years old, 16-0. He will be on that card. And there is a card out of Milano, Italia, on the zone. Daniele Scardina is a super middleweight, 17-0 super middleweight, originally from Rozzano, Italia, now lives in Miami, USA, and trains out of there. So uh, there's a card in Milano. And I do believe I'll be covering deadline for that on Ring TV. So I'll give you guys updates as uh, I'll give you all the news and stuff from that fight. Check out Ring's website. Saturday, we have uh, Khanat Islam, Kazakhstan fighter, fighting in Almaty, Kazakhstan, 26-0. He's a junior middleweight prospect twice in the Olympics, two seasons in the World Series of Boxing. He's staying busy. He's someone to keep an eye on. And there's a strawweight title fight in Puerto Rico, Wilfredo Mendez defending his WBO minimum weight title. Maybe he should unify against the best ever. Moonsri. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Moonsri, I don't think he'd take that fight. <laughs> uh Well, Fredo Mendez might be the best fighter from Puerto Rico right now. Uh, Puerto Rico used to be so strong with so many champions. And I think there's they have two. Uh Amanda Serrano's American, but she's I believe she's American. I don't think she was born over there. Puerto Rico's basically America, right? It's basically there's, America has 50 and a half states. It's like 50.1. We basically consider Puerto Rico a state. They may as well just become a United States. I think they're, a, they're like a, a territory or something like that. I don't know what you'd call it. But they're basically a state. So I, I, it's hard for me to call people Puerto Rican like they're not American. They're basically American. I'd say Puerto Rico is way more American than Alaska. It's more, it's more American than Hawaii. Seriously, it's a hell of a lot closer uh to the mainland. Anyway, uh Wilfredo Mendez, I believe is the only titleist. And unless you include Amanda Serrano, who is a female titleist, I think that's it right now. Who am I forgetting? Also, um okay. So we got one the big one over in London. Let's talk about two of these cards in uh the USA before we get to the big one over at the O2 Arena. In uh, Reno, at the Reno Sparks Convention Center, top rank on ESPN Plus, Shakur Stevenson going up against Joette Gonzalez. Both of these guys fighting their best opponents to date of their professional career. And there's some bad blood in this one, and it ain't bullshit. They're not playing it up for the camera. Shakur Stevenson dates Joette Gonzalez's sister, and Joette doesn't like it. Now, Shakur has... In all these interviews try to say it's because of this, that, the other, making up stuff. And Joette says, look, it has nothing to do with where Shakur is from or anything like that. I just don't like the guy. And I don't like him uh, being with my sister. So there's definitely bad blood there. It's also an East Coast versus West Coast thing. Shakur Stevenson out of the East Coast. Gonzalez out of the West Coast. Uh, there's definitely some, some bad blood here. And I think that it's going to spill over into the ring. Stevenson likes to box, Right. He likes to use his length and his boxing craft, uh, his athleticism. I wonder if he's going to brawl a little bit in this fight. I wonder if Gonzalez can pull a brawl out of him. That would be interesting. But uh, Stevens is 12-0, 5'8", 68-inch reach, southpaw, 22 years old. Joaquin Gonzalez is 23-0, a little bit more experienced as a pro, a little shorter, 5'6", but according to uh, the listings I saw... He has the bigger reach. He has 70-inch reach. So that's pretty interesting. So even though he's shorter, I think he's a little more stout and a little stronger, probably physically stronger. And I wonder if he could get inside, if he could utilize that. Uh, He's 26 years old, so he's a little more mature. But I think Stevenson's length and southpaw style are going to give him a ton of problems. He is the favorite, and he should be. This is for the vacant WBO Featherweight title, Of course, Oscar Valdez had that title, but he's moving up in weight. So, this will be a good fight. This will be an interesting fight on the plus. Make sure you guys check that out. Now, on the East Coast, PBC on Showtime from Reading, Pennsylvania. Erickson Lubin, who is and 3-0 since that bad KO1 loss to Charlo. Jamel Charlo a couple years ago. That one hitter quitter. Boom, right in the first round. Going up against Jamaican. Nathaniel Gallimore, who now trains and fights out of Chicago. It's interesting. While I was up there covering uh, Usyk Witherspoon, I learned that there are several fighters from other parts of the United States and even other parts of the world who have moved to Chicago for whatever reason and trained there. So there really is no Chicago born and bred top-level boxer right now, but there's a few guys who have relocated to Chicago. None of them are really what I would call top-level elite fighters, but they're good quality. Um, There's a few prospects. who, Who knows? Could become that. But there's a few guys like Nathaniel Gallimore, who, as I understand, lives and trains out of Chicago now and is a good quality professional prize fighter. He should give Lubin rounds, teach him some things. Erickson Lubin is still young as hell. 154. I still consider him a prospect. 154. Pound prospect. This is a 10 round fight, probably goes the distance. And Lubin will learn on the job in this fight. Gallimore will give him some things to learn from. Also on this card, Robert Easter Jr. moving up to 140, fighting Adrian Granados, who's moving back down to 140. Easter is 0-1-1 in his last two. He had a a draw, I think, with Rancis Bartholomew. And before that, He was completely shut out, basically, by Mikey Garcia in L.A. I was ringside for that one. And Granados was coming off a KO7 loss to Danny Garcia in April. This is 10 rounds, 140 pounds. Kind of an interesting matchup. That might be fun. And then uh, FA Ajagba was supposed to be on this card. The heavyweight prospect who everyone was super high on and didn't look really good in his last fight. He was supposed to be in this uh, card, but he had to withdraw due to a back injury. I should also mention that Sunday, October 27th, in Hollywood, Sergei Bohachek, 15-0, out of the Ukraine, uh, fighting now out of Big Bear with Abel Sanchez, 24 years old, 154-pound blue chip prospect, one of, uh, one of Tom Loeffler's guys, going up against Philadelphia, Tyrone Brunson, 28-7-2, 34 years old, 10 years older, he's been in the ring with everybody, He's fought a lot of good fighters, very experienced. This is a step up for the Ukrainian prospect. Will definitely be interesting to watch. Okay, let's go back to Saturday, O2 Arena, London, World Boxing Super Series finale on the Zone. This is awesome. This is the fight we've we've just been waiting for this one for a while, guys. Quarter four, 2019. Just keeps on delivering. It is an embarrassment of riches. Before I get to the main event. Let's talk about the co-main. The heavyweight feature. Derek Tresora versus David Price. Tresora coming off that KO2 win. Over Arthur Spielka in July. Timber, He just destroyed Spielka. Who believe it or not. I actually think is more shot than David Price. I think David Price still has more offensive tools left. Than Spilka does I know that sounds crazy but I I believe I'm telling you this fight the way this fight plays out 100% depends on Derek Chisora and his mental state Chisora can show up sometimes and look like a top 10 heavyweight and he has in some recent fights he's looked like I'm like damn this dude looks like better than I've ever seen him and then he could show up show up sometimes and just look like stir fried shit so if he's 100% on his game. And remember, during the promotion for this car, he's been saying, oh, I should be in the main event. I'm getting screwed over. I should be getting paid more money, blah, 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 blah. Well, here's your chance to prove it, Derek. Here's your chance to prove it. Get in there and flatten price. Because that's what a lot of guys who were top 10 heavyweights, some even weren't, have done to him in the past. Everyone's expecting a knockout win. Now, Chisora gets a few rounds to work. He gets up until like the 6th, 7th round. But if David Price is still around through the 7th, 8th round, guys, this thing can go to distance. And if it goes the distance, who knows what can happen? Seriously. You also have to remember, David Price, if he has anything, anything to offer, it's a pretty good right hand that he throws with leverage because he's a tall guy. If Chisora's fat, out of shape, doesn't look good, and tired late in this fight, and stays at at range where Price can land something, who knows? This could get interesting. I love the heavyweights. I love the heavyweights, and I love flawed heavyweights. They're the most fun to watch. And right now, everyone in this division, from the top down, is extremely flawed, including the lineal champ, the WBC champ, the unified champ, all of them are extremely flawed. And that's why this division is so fun right now. And they're, they're fighting each other. So this fight between Chisora and Price, I think it's going to be fun. I obviously predict Chisora by knockout. That's what should happen. The question is, what kind of knockout? It's really up to Chisora. We'll find out at the weigh-in. Let's see, one of you guys, Joe56984, says Price will win. Diluted Dwyer says Price will get sent back into the, his plumbing business. Ceylon Mooney says Price often gasses out after four rounds. Very true. Rockstar1996 says Pricey could actually box his head off early. Just got to not get hit. Agreed. So, um, yeah, obviously, look, I don't think this fight's going the distance. I just wouldn't be shocked. 2019 has been so crazy because we've gotten so many good fights. I just don't know what to expect. But anyway, I'm predicting, obviously, Chisora by massive, concussive, highlight reel knockout. That's what we should see. And if if that's what he does, he should call out everyone in the heavyweight division afterwards. And I'll tell you, if he was smart, what he would do is he would holler at the WBO. He's currently not ranked at all by the WBO. But if Derek Tresora wants a fast track to another title shot, try to get ranked with the WBO. Because I'm telling you right now, the winner between Joshua, the second Ruiz-Joshua fight coming up in December, the winner of that fight is going to, def- they're going to have two mandatories. The WBO mandatory is Alexander Usyk. The IBF mandatory is Kubrat Pulev. Who would you rather fight? They're going to fight Kubrat Pulev, right? That's where they're going to go. They're going to dump the WBO title. It's going to be Alexander Usyk versus the next available contender in the WBO for the vacant WBO heavyweight title next spring. I'm telling you right now, mark it, stamp it. That's what's going to happen. Right now, I believe the number two rated heavyweight is Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury don't want that damn fight. He's going to fight the rematch with Deontay Wilder. I think they rate Anthony Joshua as well. Um, Obviously, Joshua will probably have the WBO title and then dump it. So then you go like to the fourth, fifth guy, right? If Derek Chisora can get his butt rated by the WBO and climb those ratings, he could wiggle his ass into a title shot for a vacant title against Oleksandr Usyk next year. Sign me up for some of that shit. I think it'd be fun. Boxing business 101 right there, guys. That's how I'd play it if I were the promoter. And Eddie Hearn knows what he's doing. So trust me, it could play out that way. Also on this card, Ricky Burns versus Lee Selby. That's a nice, juicy, domestic, lightweight matchup. Uh, Burns has fought a bunch of names in and around 135 pounds this last generation. He's been one of those guys who's very experienced, Carved out a good quality career for himself, right? Uh, for, For Selby, he's moving up two divisions. He moved up two weight classes. He was at featherweight, lost that split decision to Josh Warrington last May, skipped 130, moved up to 135. He should win this fight on paper. He's the younger guy, a lot more gas in the tank. He's the slicker boxer. He should win this fight. But we shall see. Does Ricky Burns have one more left in him? Can he make this close and competitive and pull one out here? That would be a lot. That would be very interesting. That would be fun. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Okay, let's get to the main event. Holy shit. I feel like I need a shot or something. But we'll save that for Saturday night's fight party. Regis Progray. Josh Taylor. Progray, 24-0, holds the WBA 140-pound title. Five foot eight. Six, uh, 67 inch reach. He's 30 years old. Came to boxing late. Started his amateur career late and started his pro career late. So even though he's 30 years old, he's not as experienced as you'd think because he came to boxing late. All right. Josh Taylor, 15 and 0. Holds the IBF junior welterweight or super lightweight title, whichever you prefer. 5 foot ten, sixty-nine 69 inch reach. He's two inches taller, two inches longer 28 years old, two years younger. And if you consider the amateur experience, I would say all around, Josh Taylor is more experienced than Progray because he fought uh, more on the world scene as an amateur, right? The international slash global amateur scene. And Regis Progray never did. I want to say he was like an Olympic alternate. I can't remember when the last time I spoke with him, uh, he just missed out on the Olympics And he felt he could have made the next one, but he decided to go pro. So anyway, uh, yeah, Progray started boxing at age 17, went pro in 2012. Taylor, 2012 Olympian, World Series of Boxing, very briefly, went pro in 2015. So again, on the surface, it looks like, because of the number of professional fights and everything that Regis Progray has more experience, but Taylor, Olympics, World Series of Boxing, the quality of opposition in his 15 fights, particularly the last three or four, I'd say he's just as, as experienced, if not more experienced, than a pro great. Also, this is in London. I think that plays a factor. Guys, I've been going back and forth about this fight forever. I it's really, really difficult to pick a winner. I, I keep going back and forth. Let me let me talk about both of these guys the last two years or so. Their opposition, okay. Let, let's break this down together. Josh Taylor, 2017 and 2018 fights. Winston Campos, not really the best fighter, but Victor Postol, good quality fighter. Ryan Martin, yeah, not not really the best, you know, not elite, good fighter. He had an O at the time, and he took it. Ryan Martin hasn't fought since then, by the way. And then Ivan Baranchek. So those are his last four opponents: Winston Campos, Victor Postol. Ryan Martin, Ivan Baranchek. Obviously, Baranchek is the most elite fighter in that group, right? 4-0, two knockouts, seven knockdowns. Seven knockdowns. That's pretty impressive. Regis Progre, last four. Julius Ndongo, Juan Jose Velasco, Terry Flanagan, Carol Relic. Now, overall, man... Terry Flanagan, pretty good fighter. Carol Relic, pretty good fighter. Julius Ndongo, pretty good fighter. Juan Jose Velasco, not not that great. Not elite. I don't know if any of those four guys are elite, though. I don't know if any of those four guys are on the level that Ivan Baranchuk is. Possibly Relic, possibly. Anyway, 4-0, three knockouts, nine knockdowns. So both of these guys have been very dominant the last couple of years, working their way to this clash, right? Seven knockdowns Taylor has, has scored. Nine knockdowns Progray has scored. Man, I, I mean, just impressive stuff. Okay, a couple of facts worth mentioning, all right? You're not going to hear this anywhere else because, you know, I like to really dig in and try to find stuff no one else is talking about. It's worth mentioning that Progray didn't just beat, but dominated Terry Flanagan, in Julius and Dongo, Terry Flanagan is five foot nine. Julius Ndongo is five foot ten. They're both southpaws, right? Because um, I, I want to say, let me make sure. Because I want to make sure I get this on the record. But Josh Taylor is a southpaw, is he not? Let me, let me make sure. I'm going to do this live here on the show, but I just want to make sure I get this right. I don't want to screw it up. Yes, he is a southpaw. So Josh Taylor is a tall long southpaw, right? Progre dominated Flanagan and Ndongo, who are tall, long, and experienced southpaws. Taylor has never fought an A-level, world-class southpaw and beat them, to my knowledge. Progre is a southpaw. So I think that's a little nugget there worth mentioning, okay? Um, Progre, again, Beats Flanagan and Dongo, two tall, long Southpaws. Taylor's never fought, to my knowledge, or beat a a high-level Southpaw. I'm just looking over his record here. Because Baranchek, I do believe, is orthodox. Postal, I believe, is orthodox. Let me double-check, make sure I got this right. Orthodox, orthodox. And orthodox, yes. So... That's a little wrinkle in this thing that I think matters. I think that Progre has had better preparation for Taylor's body shape and style than the other way around. It's also worth mentioning, I have to say this, it's also worth mentioning that two of Progre's last four opponents were coming into the ring off of losses. Ndongo had lost badly to Terrence Crawford. Terry Flanagan had lost. So those two opponents came into the ring off a loss. So that's also worth mentioning. So are we overrating those wins for Progre? That's why I just keep going back and forth with this shit. I'm telling you guys. It's like flip a freaking coin. I'm curious how you guys have this fight. Let's see. Caught herpying says uh, pro Progre washes Taylor way too slick. And Taylor gets hit way too often. I actually think Taylor might be the slicker boxer there. Real Sports Highlight says, Prograde, not that skilled to me. Deluded Dwyer. Now, who knows if he's trolling or not, because he, he says he's deluded. He says, Josh Taylor will make Regis Prograde look like Regis Philbin. <laughs> In the ring. I love it. Uh James Burrell says, does Mike go out on a limb here and make a pick? Hmm, I'm definitely going to make a pick. I'm going to flip a coin right here. No, seriously. Um, I'm, I'm just curious what you guys say. Rockstar1996 says, Relic isn't close to Baranchek. Guy would get eaten. I tend to agree. I think of the eight names I listed, the their last four opponents of each guy, clearly Ivan Baranchek is the best. And look, Taylor struggled. He got hit a lot but sometimes you need that kind of performance to learn from to get to the next level, right? And that's why part of me wants to say Taylor wins. It's also in London, he's also slightly more experienced. All those things point to Taylor. But I'm telling you guys, the Southpaw angle, no one's talked about that. He's never, Taylor, has never fought a Southpaw, at least not a top level Southpaw. And two of the last four opponents for Progray were tall, rangy southpaws. So he's literally seen these angles and this body shape before. And he's performed very well. Now, now, obviously, Taylor's in a better spot right now and a better fighter than Indongo and Postal. Of course. Or oh, I'm sorry, not Postal. Indongo and Flanagan. But I got to say, man, it just seems to me Progray's had better preparation. That's why I keep going back and forth. It's just, it's a tough one. Real Sports Highlights says New Orleans boxers suck. Well, guess what, Real Sports Highlights? Pro Gray's really a Houston boxer. Pretty much right around the time of Hurricane Katrina, when he first started boxing, um, he moved to Houston. So pretty much his entire amateur and professional career, he's been a Houston fighter. And Houston slash Dallas Slash San Antonio, that area, has one of the best boxing scenes on earth. Not just in the United States, but on earth. It flies under the radar, but trust me, those guys know how to fight out there. So, I would not consider him a New Orleans fighter. I'd consider him a Houston fighter. And Houston's doing pretty damn good right now. So, <laughs> James Burrell says, If Pro Grey takes his sunglasses off, it'll get interesting. Rockstar96 says Flanagan is 135 pounder and Ndongo is nothing like Taylor. Terrible analogy, Mike. Damn, you threw the terrible card at me. Look, man, I'm not saying, and I just, I said it a minute ago, they're not on the level of Taylor. They don't fight like him. I'm talking about body style and angles from the southpaw angle. I think those two fights gave Progray something to look at that helped prepare him for Taylor, name one of Taylor's opponents that helped him prepare for Progre. You going to tell me Ivan Baranchek. I don't know about that. Gail Falkenthal says, "Get out of my way, people! I gotta, I gotta lest hell the neutral corner fools better late than never." What's up, Gail? Glad you're on here. Ryan Billingsley says, "Progre has more tools in the shed." He says Progre has shown many different styles. That is true. Romania Mike says Progre will beat Taylor, but I feel like Taylor might start running after he feels Progre's power. Regis by KO with an 11. Goodfellas says Progre 8-4. Well, a lot of you guys like Progre. Now, Dale says Taylor stops him round 9-10, to 10, too big and powerful. I do think Taylor has a little more dog in him and, and punches harder and a, more of a mean streak than people think. He, he's this nice kind of well-spoken guy or whatever. Doesn't really talk to talk and walk the walk as much as, as, as Progre does as far as, you know, kind of talking like a fighter, you know, the stereotypical fighter. Uh, but I do think that mean streak is there. I really, really do. Romania Mike says, Progre will beat Taylor, but I feel Taylor. Oh, I already read that one. Sorry, guys. Alexander says, Mike, who do you give the power advantage to? I give the power advantage to Progre, and I'll tell you why. It's not just that he gets it done up top. He gets it done downstairs. And I actually think that if he can get inside of Taylor and pressure him and really start taking it to him and uh, working downstairs and then bringing it upstairs with some looping shots later in the fight, he can start really working on Taylor. You know, I really do think so. Trooper Copper says I'm putting my money on decision. Yeah, I think that this is gonna go all 12 rounds. Andre Smith says Progray KOs KSI round six. K- <laughs> round six. It KOs him in round one. Um, okay, so oh that's right. James Burrell says he lives in LA now. They box a bit out there too. That's right. He did move to LA, but he came up in Houston. So Houston, LA, Progray, look, I Everything I said before, I I, I could really flip a freaking coin here. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Progre by decision. I'm going to say Progre by close, debated, heated decision. I think if this thing goes to the cards, people on social media are going to be bitching. Whichever way it goes, whether Taylor gets it or Progre gets it, people are going to be bitching. But I'm going to say Progre wins seven rounds to five in, in that range. I think that um, this is going to be a very, very technical matchup early. Both guys trying to impose their their will. But this might be a case where uh, it's a tale of like three fights. The first four rounds, the middle four rounds, the last four rounds. And I think that Progre's pressure is going to start to take effect late in the fight. It's going to start to really connect in the middle rounds and steamroll in the late rounds. Uh, some people have said this will kind of look like Better B.F. Vosdick. I don't agree with that for the simple fact that Better B.F. was a lot, was was taller and phys- physically stronger than Vosdick. While I do think Progre is taller, I'm sorry, stronger than Taylor, he's going to be punching up. Taylor's clearly taller and longer. So Progre is going to be punching up at him. And although he's probably stronger because he's more compact, he's got that kind of muscle Yes, yeah, so Ryan Billingsley says Beterbiev or Betterbiev was shorter. Yes, so thank you for correcting me. Shorter, yes, but stronger. Clearly the stronger guy, physically stronger. So I think that, okay, maybe that analogy does kind of work. I think that this might somewhat resemble the Biev vozdik fight. I, I just see this going the distance. I see it going the distance, and I think that um is going to eke out a decision win. He's just going to eke out a decision win. Wouldn't be surprised to see both guys marked up at the end of this fight. Maybe maybe they get dropped, maybe not. We have seen Taylor dropped, right? Or no, we've seen Taylor busted up a little bit. We haven't really seen Progray busted up a little bit. One other little X factor thing I should mention. Taylor has been through rough fights. That fight with Baranchuk was rougher than expected. He's been uh, through fights that tested his metal a little bit, Progre hasn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Fossil Twenty Seven says uh, Taylor was hurt by Baranchek. Right? He was. He he was hurt, and um, he. But here's the thing: he was hurt, but he recovered. He had to show that. Right? Progre hasn't yet. We really don't know if if gray can catch. So that's what's interesting about this one. But I'm still going to lean with Progray by very, very close decision. Again, 51-49 here, guys. I'm basically, you're putting a gun to my head. I'm giving you my pick. But I can see this thing going either way. I'm going to say Progray, seven rounds to five. Let's see. Rockstar96 says, it doesn't take much to lure Josh into a fight. He can fight tall, but opts to battle for some reason. Loves the fight. Louis Garibay says, split. Decision for Regis. I could see that. Guys, we could also see a very, very controversial decision. You know what I'm saying? We could see this go to the cards. And again, whichever way it goes, I I'm trying to think who are the judges for this fight. You know what I'm saying? Let me let me look that up. Let me look that up. I want to see if they have that listed yet. Um they don't. Yeah, I don't I don't see the judges listed yet. Damn, I'm just looking it up right now. Actually, yeah, they don't. So I don't know who the judges are going to be. But I do think the judges, the ring officials, they're really going to play a huge role in this one. Because I think there's going to be super competitive close rounds. And I do expect it to go the distance. I truly, truly do. So the ref and the three judges, all the commission folks, super important in a fight like this. Goodfellow says, what was the last big fight that didn't have controversy? Good point. <laughs> Good point. Gideon P says, don't you think Regis is already down two rounds? Well, that will be the conspiracies going on Twitter. I mean, that's what people are going to be saying. If if a very close fight goes to Taylor, even if you could make a legitimate argument for him winning it, there's going to be people saying, oh, I got this decision, home cooking, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, that's how it goes these days on the social. Chris Bergen says, Taylor to win a close decision. Could absolutely see that going that way. iZombie says, hey Mike, is The Zone worth it for hardcore boxing fans? I love it. Hell yeah, it's worth it, man. For $100 a year, what you get, uh, one of these other pay-per-views that the other guys are charging you are 80 bucks a pop. I, I mean, look at this fourth quarter that you're getting. Again, I don't work for The Zone. I don't. But I gotta say, it's 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 a hell of a deal. I mean, shit. Ryan Billingsley says Taylor Progre will be great. I can't wait for Saturday. Hell yeah. Goodfellow says I don't know why, but I see Zab Judah versus Carlos Baldemir for this fight. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't see that at all. Um. Yeah, because no one thought that was going to be close. That was like a complete shock to everyone. And it didn't matter. Judas, even off that loss, walked right into a pay-per-view of Floyd Mayweather. That's boxing for you. Yeah, Chris Bergen says, I wish we had the zone in the UK. Won't happen, though. Yeah, man, uh, the promoters have a deal worked out over there with BT Sport and Sky over there in the UK, and they're not giving up that sweet deal anytime soon, brother. I I hate to say it, but I don't know if The Zone's getting in the UK anytime soon. Um, That's going to be tough. You guys are going to be shit out of luck for a while. It's a shame. Gideon says, what is the fight party you keep talking about? So for those of you who haven't seen, sometimes when certain fights come on and I have enough time to do it, Uh, I just go live on my YouTube channel and I watch the fight with you guys. Obviously, I can't show you fight footage. I can't do that. I'll get my channel shut down for copyright. So I'll have the TV behind the camera where you can't see it. And I'll commentate on the fight and we'll watch it together and chop it up and talk about it. It's a good time, man. It's fun. We'll have a couple drinks. It's always fun. So definitely check it out. Um, Watch the fight with me Saturday. Even if you don't have the zone and you can't find a stream... Instead of watching it on Twitter, as they say, and, you know, just getting updates between rounds from people tweeting, come on my channel. I'll give you live updates as they're happening. All right, watch the fight with me here on the channel. James Burrell says, please don't say bird or hazard. Oh, man, that would be bad. That could really put a stain on this thing. Really, really bad. Rockstar 96 says, no point coming to the UK till the football fights free up. A sports network won't make it out here without the Premier League. Yeah, different sports out there, different demographics. Um, I, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Parish Ramesh said, Loeffler said Triple G was offered a third Canelo fight this year, but declined it due to not signing with the network. I've never heard Loeffler say that. That's That's not true. Triple G was not offered a third fight with Canelo. That's, whatever. wherever you heard that, that was a rumor, and it's false. Louis Garibay says, this fight is close, but I say Regis wins by a close split. I'm with you, man. I'm going Regis by that, a hair. I'm going Regis by a hair. Piresh Ramesh says again, Tom Loeffler said that in an interview. You got to provide more information because I'm, pretty close with Tom and I've never they were I've never heard him say they were offered the third Canelo fight with the zone Um, I think maybe you're mistaking what he said for they thought the third fight with Canelo was a given as part of their deal with the zone that was the understanding but they weren't offered to fight meaning there wasn't a contract sent over for them to sign and fight at such and such date this year in 2019 that never happened Canelo did not want to fight Golovkin again this year. Chad Fletcher says, Can you tell Tom and Triple G to stop training in Big Bear? They're gonna keep doing the Big Bear thing. Whether look, I've softened up on the high-altitude training stuff. I've I've talked to a few people, and some people say it's it's really, really good. Some some people don't like it for extended periods of time. So I've softened my stance. I still think it's a good thing for three or four weeks. I just don't know if it's a good thing for 12 weeks or 10 weeks or whatever. I, I just don't know. But they're going to keep fighting there. or I'm sorry, training there. They're going to keep doing that. Trooper Copper says, how about a draw? Wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. Um, look, if you're a betting person, check out the odds. And if the odds look good and favorable and where you could get a good score if you bet the draw, it, it might be worth it putting down a few bucks on the draw. It's so close, it definitely could end that way. I just think there's going to be a moment in this fight, probably the middle or late rounds, where uh, it's going to be maybe a flash knockdown or something like that, where it just skews the scorecard just enough to pull the fight out for Progre. I think he's either going to push Taylor back, drop him, hurt him with a body shot, something like that late, that gets him uh, just that extra nudge To get him a close, it could be majority decision, something like that, win. Maybe one judge has it a draw. Uh, Let's see here. A couple more questions, guys, and then we're going to take a knee and call it off. And I'll see you guys Saturday. The Moto Scotsman says, the Tartan Tornado bringing it home Saturday. Easy work. I don't know if it's going to be easy work. For either guy. (laughs) I think this is going to be the toughest fight either guy's ever been in. I will say, though, on paper, on paper, it looks like Taylor should win. Again, more experienced, taller, longer, uh, better amateur pedigree. He's fought the better opponent as a pro. He's been through tougher moments where he was hurt and had to bounce back from that to win. It's in London, right? So, I say all that and there's just this X factor there's just this thing about prograde that makes me say he's going to go there and pull it off and win a split decision majority decision something like that. If I'm wrong it wouldn't be the first time it won't be the last. Romania Mike says Wilder Ortiz 2 next week. Thoughts? I got Wilder by KO. Yeah, of course we'll talk about that uh, in the coming weeks. Is that next week? That's not next week, is it? No way. It's it's later than that, bro. I think you meant next month. Wilder is going to flatten Ortiz. It's not going five or six rounds. Chad Fletcher says, don't they do a fourth judge for the final? I haven't heard that. Oh, they have a judge, yeah, to prevent the draw. That's right, that's right. You guys, great. Thank you so much. That's why it's great to do these videos live. Excellent point. So, yes, the World Boxing Super Series does bring on a fourth draw, or fourth judge, who will, if there is a draw... They will go to this other judge uh, to score it to ensure that there's no draw because it is a finale. They don't want a draw. They want a winner. So there will be no draw. So everything I just said about betting the draw, just remove that from your brain. Just delete it. If this wasn't in the World Boxing Super Series, yes, draw would be possible. But that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen this Saturday. Let's see. Um, Captain Hill Chronicle says, "When are you going to come on my show? Dude, let's do it uh, in November. Pick a week in November, and we'll do it, because my schedule, after a month of insanity, or like for guys, for like out of 30 days, I was home for like three of them. I'm home through November. In fact, I was talking to my good friend Steve Kim last night, and he was asking me, "Dude, when's the next fight you're covering?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm taking a break." I'm not. I'm going to start covering some live again in December. But for the month of November, I'm taking a chill break. I'm chilling at home and um, working on some stuff here. Of course, I'll be covering the fights online and here on my channel and everything. The next live fight will be in December. But yeah, so that means, dude, I could do your show. So hit me up on Facebook. We'll chat and I'll do your show in November. Andre Smith, who's the best trainer in boxing? Whew. Dude, there's too many to pick from. Um, it's, it's hard because, you know, you got you to gotta look at... You can look at who trains the best fighter, but how did they get to be the best fighter? Did they mold them or is it just because the guy's special? I'll tell you a, a, a trainer that falls under the radar for a lot of people that really deserves more love. And I think he had the performance of the year. Steven Breadman Edwards. Great boxing mind, a true historian. And you look at the way he coached J-Rock to victory over Hurd. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. And depending on... I was really hoping for a rematch between J-Rock and Hurd. Because I thought that if J-Rock won again, Steven Bredman Edwards could get trainer of the year. But he kind of got screwed because Hurd's moving up in weight. So, But yeah, he he's one of my favorite trainers. I don't know if he's the best trainer in the world... But he's up there. And I think that he falls under the radar for a lot of fans. Goodfellow says, I think Teddy Atlas is a bit overrated. Yeah, I think so. He's a good motivator. Teddy's a great motivator. Max Cuckerman. <laughs> he says, Papachenko is the best. I, I like Papachenko, but his son is special. My thing is, what fighter has Papachenko worked with that he turned him from a Pretty good fighter to a great fighter. You know what I'm saying? Um, but Papachenko, to build Vasily Lomachenko into what he is, yeah, he's pretty freaking good. Carlos Cabrera says, I like Buddy McGirt. Buddy's doing a great job of Kovalev. I'll tell you this, if Kovalev pulls off the upset and beats Canelo Alvarez, Buddy McGirt's a lock for trainer of the year. Uh, don't sleep on Manny Robles. Don't sleep on Robert Garcia. All these guys are good. All of them. Andre Rozier, very good trainer. BOMAC, yeah. uh, Bud Crawford's coach, BOMAC. Great trainer. All right. Tiffany's peeking in the door here. You guys can't see, but she's saying it's dinner time. She's cooking dinner. And you know what? We've been going for over an hour. So we're going to cut it off here, guys. I'm going to go eat some dinner. And uh, we'll get this chopped out and released on iTunes, Spreaker, everywhere podcasts are heard. So... No homework, no, no assignment for you guys tonight, other than mark it on your calendar, Saturday, Regis Progray, Josh Taylor, fight party, right here on the MOB YouTube channel. All right, I'll see you at the fights.